welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea, and I am delighted to be joined by Coach Christine Hinton. Hello, Christine. Hello, Sarah. It seems like a long time since you've co-hosted. I think we have a lot of laughs to catch up on. I know, we sure do. I've been saving them up. Oh, good. (laughs) There they go. Here they come. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, um, you know, in keeping with the helping people remember who's who, let's kick things off by um, having you tell us of a recent success story or two from one of the gals that you coach. Okay. um, You know, one of the most fun um, stories I have recently was uh, the Disneyland had its, I guess, the uh, Goofy Challenge oh. last weekend. No, 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 no. It was um, it was the Tinkerbell thing. And it I'm had, sorry, Tinkerbell. It had some right. <laughs> name that I'm not remembering. Oh, and probably everyone's now shouting at their phone, know, like what the answer is. But to and do, I sh- to- and I should know it since my client did it. But <laughs> <laughs> but but Some so it was to do. Um, yes, was it so to do a 10k Saturday and then a half marathon Sunday? It was so it was a 5k, 10k, half. Oh, 5k. So 5k was on Friday or two races on Saturday. 5K, uh, Friday, Saturday Ooh. was a 10k. Sunday was the half. Okay. And so she walked the 5k. That was her plan. Okay. And then she ended up PRing in both the 10k and the half marathon. No way. Oh my gosh, in a very crowded field. Yes. And wasn't even trying to PR. <laughs> so I'm like, yes, those are the best PRs ever, the ones you're not even trying to get. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, she, so um, she had wings on, right? That's what helped yes. her? Cheryl. Uh-huh. Cheryl is her name. She usually listens. So yeah, shout nice. out to Cheryl. She yeah, did a great shout job. Shout out to Cheryl from San Francisco, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, very nice. From the retreat last year. Yep. Excellent. Right. Excellent. Oh my goodness. And I know I got an email this morning from Jen out in Maryland, out in your fair Ooh. state, who told yes. me that um, she got the green light from the hubby on the budget to start yes. start <laughs> to afford you, which is, you know, not a huge expense, but certainly, um, uh, you know, enters into the family budget. And she, yep. it was so funny. I don't, I'm sure she told you this, but she said that, um, so she and her husband had the budget talk and he'd agreed to it. And then that very evening, their kitchen sink and their dryer broke and she was like honey you already said I could hire Christine (laughs) that's right she did tell me that and that was really funny yeah they sound adorable yes Um, yes yeah so yeah so I talked to her a couple days ago and we're gonna be rocking and rolling here soon to reach her goals so yeah so she's gonna be running the Erie Marathon she said right that's right Mm -hmm. very good you have a great memory oh yeah Well, because I'd never heard, I was like, oh, I wonder what state it's in. I'm thinking, is it in Pennsylvania, maybe? Or is it in Maryland? Because it does it run Uh, along the Erie Canal? Erie, I think the, it's in Pennsylvania, or is it Ohio? Oh, Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it might be Ohio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And now now all of, you know, kind of the um, mid-Atlantic and (laughs) Midwest states are yelling at us now as to which state it is. I know, and I'm in Maryland. I know, I know. I have the worst memory ever, so. (laughs) Can I tell you that, I mean, it was so funny speaking of people yelling at their phone to, like, tell things. Uh, I was at a race expo on Saturday, the Hippie Chick Mm all-women's race out here, and um, somebody said that they were, I'm now forgetting the whole story, but she said that there was something I was trying to remember on the podcast. And mm-hmm. that the woman knew it, so she like pulled her phone up and started yelling into it. She's like, "Oh yeah, that doesn't work." Yeah, if only that did work, that right. would be great. Right, I'm sure there's going to be an app for it before too long. How to talk back to the podcast of your choice? Awesome. I would appreciate that. <laughs> um, so I have, um, as long as we're sharing success stories like Cheryl's, um, I have a family success story. Um, yes, yeah, so John, my ten um, year old son, has been doing track this season. He's done it off and on 
on. Um, it's just a little program through a store here called Foot Traffic that they carry our books. So I love giving a shout out to Foot Traffic and really just adore the coach there. This guy, Michael, he's really, really nice. And he teaches the kids about running history while they're, you know, like, you know, standing around cooling down after something. And, and um, oh my goodness, like he handed out lemons the other day because he was telling them about this African-American high jumper, I think it was, who she felt that um, drinking too much water before she would jump would weigh her down. So she would suck on lemons to, you know, and now even thinking about it, it's making me have yeah. a bunch of saliva <laughs> in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> so she would suck on lemons. So he gave the kids, some of the kids lemons and the kids just right there on the spot on the track started peeling them and eating them like oranges. <laughs> but, um, but so uh, the story I want to share is, is that, um, I guess was it? Yeah, it was just last week that there was a citywide track meet. And so John ran the 1500, which is, as you know, almost four times around the track. Yep. And, um, it's considered it's considered a mile, even though it's not really a mile, right? Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. So he um, came in third in his in the fifth grade boys, but I have oh. to say his time was five forty four. Holy smokes! <laughs> yeah, yeah, that and he only came in third lying. too. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah, wow. he was actually—he was that fourth. Impressive. Oh, thanks. Yeah, he was fourth overall because a, a girl beat him as well. Um, so yeah, and he has this odd little habit of he thinks breathing through your mouth is a sign of weakness. Oh no! So, so he only breathes through his nose, and, and so it definitely after by the, about the third lap he starts to look, you know, like he has a little stress in his face because you know that he really wants to open his mouth. That is so funny. Isn't it funny? And so. Um, I was talking to my coach about it and she immediately like texted me like this link to this article that yes. you know says, that, you know, no breathing through your mouth and, you know, releases stress and you can get so much more oxygen in your blood. And so she was like, tell him that he could have won it if he'd breathed through his mouth. Oh, <laughs> well, I will say breathing through the mouth does help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you can get his um, coach to address it. That's what, yeah, yeah exactly. I'll, I'll take yeah. Michael aside. Oh, and, wow. A yeah. five. 44. Yeah, so wow. I, I mean that's flying for a 10-year-old. Oh, go, oh good. Oh, thanks. I don't know. I you know, living in Portland, you get a little bit of a stilted sense about what's good because, you know, there's a lot of really um, gifted athletes who come out of the University of mm-hmm. Oregon and settle in Portland and then have kids and then you have to have your kids race against their kids and also just you know like if you work for one of these big shoe companies that's out here sometimes you're a really gifted runner as well right. so all those genes are in the gene pool out here so and um, but now he and Daphne are doing track and there'll be some summer meets and um, so it's just really it's just really fun and he it yeah. is awesome I love when it becomes a family. Yeah. Oh, and and it's it's also just, I really love low key track meets and you stand around and, you know, I run into all these mother runners I know and, um, just, you know, kind of, it's almost like a barbecue except without any food. (laughs) (laughs) Don't have to gain it. You don't gain any weight then. That's right. (laughs) Right. Can just chat without, you know, getting a buzz or eating too many fat calories. There you go. So, um, so speaking of, you know, adult beverages, that leads me to ask about, um, wanting an update on your dating life because the last time you were on, you were headed to Annapolis for a third date with a gentleman, if I recall correctly. And uh, um, I'll remind people that you are, um, got a divorce a few years ago, so you're not stepping out on. No, um, no. 
house you are. You're on the market. I'm on the market. Uh, right, right. <laughs> yes. No, it went very well. Okay. And I'm still still dating him. Uh-huh. Um, so I guess it's been about five weeks or so now. <laughs> His name is Jeff. I'll throw that Jeff. out there. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah. And, you know, what's funny is that I think the last time you and I had talked about how it's really probably a bad idea to take someone that you're dating with you to like a marathon or longer races because they get to see you in all your <laughs> sweaty glory. <laughs> yes, all your sweaty glory. And so he knew I had this, my ultra coming up this weekend and uh, kept telling me that he really wanted to be there and help me out. And I finally, wow. I said, okay, wow. so he's, he's going to be my, my crew. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's going to be your homie. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And he's, he's very excited. He has no clue what he's getting himself into. <laughs> So he's not uh, he's not of the running world. He is not. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, so he's been doing some research and, uh, you know, online and trying to it's it's really kind of cute. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. So he's trying very hard. So we're going to drive up tomorrow. And um, and where is it? Tell us some details about it. Um, it's the it's up in New Jersey, in Augusta, New Jersey. Uh-huh. Um, it's called Three Days at the Fair. Uh-huh. And it's a um, timed it's- event okay. on a one mile loop. Oh, my gosh. So. Yeah. I have to, I, I have, does the name remind you of Charlotte's Web or is that just me? Um. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, and it's kind of like that because it does it, it. They have a poultry festival usually that weekend. So <laughs> there's like chickens festival. and roosters and stuff. ducks. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, and they maybe. also have a, um, a usually a rodeo that weekend. <laughs> so at so we do the perimeter of the whole fairgrounds so i you know we get to see all this happening and stuff while we're running so it gives you a little bit of something to look at (laughs) do you you eat cotton candy instead of goose it's not a bad idea i know it'll be straight carbs oh my gosh Um, but yeah so there's timed events there's everything from a 12 hour uh event up to a uh the three-day event 72 hour event so 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 people run some people will run for 72 hours straight around a one mile track that goes around a fair yes let me let me repeat that question again and see if the answer changes <laughs> wow that yeah. is a lot of car i can hear the carnival music playing yes. in my head that is crazy mm-hmm. yep and they have um the, the the logo for the race is a rooster so <laughs> of course <laughs> So, yeah, and it's funny because most people camp out, um, obviously, you can bring tents and stuff. The racers, and not the fair goers, mind you. The racers, yes. correct. Mm-hmm. And um, and a lot of people didn't realize that this one whole big building that they were camping next to is where all the roosters and oh, chickens no. are. Oh, no. So, <laughs> it was very loud there at certain times of the day. Loud and the smell and the d- I can feel the dust and the hay sticking oh. to my sweaty brow right now. Yeah. But it is, it, it's so much fun. I mean, you know, oh in a gosh. weird way. It is just a lot of fun. You really get to know people well, circling <laughs> with them for hours and hours. And uh, right. so I'm hope, hoping to have another good one. This will be my second time doing that event. So, uh, the, uh, Dare I say this, this This isn't your first time at a ro- at the rodeo? This is not my- <laughs> 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 It will be my first time with somebody actually there to help me. So that'll be okay. a new experience. To go so. get your corn dogs and and yes, fried dough exactly. mm-hmm. yes. yeah <laughs> and that cotton candy yeah. um how about watermelon though that would be seriously awesome during an ultra yeah that would be good yeah. they do a pretty good job with offering us a variety of foods and okay. of course i take a ton of stuff too yeah. so yeah so i look that... like moving my cars looks like 
like I'm moving to another state. <laughs> so then, um, let me ask you, what time are you, are you doing? Twelve hours? You're doing the whole enchilada? I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing 48. I signed up for 48 hours, mm-hmm. and um, my goal is to get 105 miles. Wow. Then I'll see. I want to try to get to that as quickly as I can and then see where I'm at. Last year, it took me 30 hours to get to 100, 101 miles. Oh. So, um, and then I stopped because uh-huh. that was my goal. So this time, I think I'd, I'd like to try to go for the full 48 oh hours. Gosh. So we'll see. Oh, my gosh. And and tell us how many hours you would sleep, you plan to sleep during that. Um. Well, part of it's going to be dictated by the weather because it's mm. supposed to be raining and possible oh. thunderstorms. So oh, what I would do is, is probably tuck in to my tent and maybe catch some sleep while it's, if it's really bad when it's raining really bad. Mm -hmm. Um, otherwise for the first 24 hours, I'd like to kind of run without any major, major breaks, maybe Mm -hmm. a couple 30 minute breaks. And then after that, I'll probably rest for a couple of hours and then get back out there and then just kind of play it by ear. Uh, I just got to say the thing that is on everyone's mind, you are a serious badass mother runner. (laughs) That is all there is to it. I, mean, I haven't done it yet. I haven't done it yet. So I know, but you say it with such a calm voice. Yeah, like to. I'd be like, let me tell you, I am stressing out big time. Oh. Like I'm sweating already just talking about it, <laughs> pitting out. Yes. So I, I am a little. I'm definitely nervous. I'm ready to just be there. You know how it is before a race. You just oh yeah. So oh 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 my gosh! I was so stinking nervous the night before boston oh, I can't, yeah oh my it's... gosh i was with um nicole hart we were and a bunch of us were out to dinner and um a bunch of listeners so like erica and lisa and just um a bunch of women so uh give them a shout out but i so we went out to this restaurant and, and adrian martini went out to wellesley about right near the halfway point on the course for dinner and during dinner i suddenly thought I'm going to have a panic attack. Like yes. I, I, I gotta, I gotta step outside. Like, I don't think I can keep a lid on this. And and I looked at Nicole was sitting next to me. I looked at her and I'm like, I, I'm really nervous. She's like, I am too. Yeah. And and later she admitted to me that she also was like, I'm going to have a freak out. Yeah. You just, you just are ready to run. Your body's just ready to go. And, or uh, ready to run in the opposite direction and not do the whole Well, thing. that's true. That's true. But I know once I get to the starting line, then all I have to do is focus on running and it'll, it'll be okay. Yeah. And I got to say then, okay, so, I mean, I was majorly panicking during dinner and, yeah. you know, had no appetite. It felt like my stomach was, you know, constricted and tied up in knots and everything. And I just thought at the time, like, oh, I'm going to have the worst night's sleep ever. And mm-hmm. went back to the hotel, like read for a little bit, took two Highlands Calms Forte, slept so well. It was Perfect. crazy, like mm-hmm. crazy. Um, so, and then the next morning and like, even that night I was like, okay, brush your teeth really well. Cause you're going to feel nauseated in the mm, tomorrow morning and not want to brush your teeth. Cause that's my thing. If I'm nervous when I wake up for a race, I start gagging on my toothbrush. Oh no, <laughs> totally, totally brush my teeth. Just fine. Yeah. Oh, that didn't happen to you. Oh my gosh. No, <laughs> no, no. Oh, come on. Who's with me? Who's with me? Start talking to your phone if you've ever gagged from your toothbrush the day of a race. Oh, that is so funny. Okay. So you have an easy gag reflex, I guess. Um, huh? We we just won't even go there on that topic. <laughs> come on. What does that I, make you like, think I of? I stick my whole hand down my mouth. And I have like no gag reflex. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. No. The, um, the morning of the Nike Women's Marathon 2007, which kicked off this whole Another Mother Runner party. I was just 
repeatedly gagging on my toothbrush and finally I'm like forget oh, it it's good yeah. enough just rinse rinse and spit <laughs> rinse it's good enough yeah 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 <laughs> oh my goodness well we will all be thinking of you over the weekend I'm just oh thank you yeah I that. um and uh yeah I'll think about you when I get up to go to the bathroom and then go back to sleep again <laughs> <laughs> It's the same thing when I, when I, um, you know, the hood to coast just takes over all of the Portland mentality when it's going on at the mother of all relay races here in Oregon in August. And when I don't run it, I always, when I get up to go to the bathroom at night, I'm like, oh, those poor buggers, they're running along like Highway 30 right now. (laughs) So I will envision you. But in my mind, of course, since it does make me all think of Charlotte's Web, it'll be like in the 1950s. So there's going to be, you know, men in fedoras (laughs) and, and their suit jackets slung over their sleeve and, you know, their wife in crinolines. Yeah. Like stepping back in time a little bit going up there, that's for sure. Yeah, Don and Betty Draper will be there with little Sally and everything. So... Um, so, and you know, if you see a spider's web, you know, that says some pig, make sure you give it clear birth so you don't ruin it. Um, (laughs) I do love me some Charlotte's web. Let me tell you. you. I really, really, really do. And you know, that's going to be like on my brain the entire time now. Thank you. You'll see a rat and you'll be like, Templeton. (laughs) Um, so well, it's good. We were talking about races because it, it's, it's sort of leads us into the topic of the show, but it's even. We have to rewind even further than that. It is how to be prepared to kick off a training cycle to ensure the best possible outcome. And, you know, we talk so much about training plans on this podcast. And I just figured with women gearing up for shorter summer races or embarking on training for a fall half or full marathon, Christine and I decided it's important to talk about pre-training issues to consider, like mileage, mindset, scheduling, the implication on your family, and so on. So that's going to be the topic for the show, but first up, we're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. Okay, coach, let's dive right in with some mileage minimums that you should be able to tackle before stepping into a training plan. And let's, uh, we're, we're going to be talking about all race distances. So first up, if you want to take on a 5k, what should be your mileage minimum? Um, well, anytime you're looking at mileage minimums, you're going to have to take the individual into consideration a little bit. And what their goals are, you know, if you're a rookie runner um, versus, you know, the uh, an above average or, or, or advanced type of runner. Um, but the key is that you're always going to gradually build up in the mileage. Mm-hmm. If you're brand new to running and you're setting out for your very first 5K, if you can just walk consistently for 30 minutes, three or four times a week, you're pretty much going to be okay to, into jumping into a very beginner-friendly 5k training program now if you're looking to race the the 5k the more time you've already had consistently running on your legs is going to be an advantage so i would say if you're looking to race it um or you've done several you know anywhere from 15 to like 30 miles probably per um, week week is what you're going to be expected to do in the training program Mm -hmm. so you want to be able to be at least comfortable with starting at that like 15 20 you know, miles per week type you know, of, uh, type of range. You know, that's why you're the coach because you think about that when I was like mileage minimum, I just thought like, Oh, you should be able to run, you know, two miles nonstop or something like that. But that's a good way to look at it in terms of your weekly load. Yes. Yes. And yeah. And you, cause, because you want to definitely have at least one of those runs where you're, um, 
having it a little bit longer. And again, if you're doing, if you're strictly a beginner, I wouldn't worry so much about it because your, your whole goal is going to be completing the distance. Um, so being able to just walk and and slowly build up your running is fine. But yeah, if you're, if you're going to go out and try to PR in a 5k, you want to be able to not have the distance be the challenge. You want the challenge to be how fast can you cover it? Mm -hmm. So, um, the more miles you can cover and then having that longer run in there each week, um, you know, makes the distance kind of not, not the obstacle. Mm -hmm. And the same can be said for 10 Ks too, you know, Mm -hmm. 10 Ks. Um, if you're a beginner, 10 beginner, uh, and want to run 10 Ks, I always recommend, you know, that having that progression of, of let's start with the 5k and work on up in distances. Don't, don't be a beginner and say, I'm going to run the marathon and jump right in. We want to, we want to build, and there's lots of advantages to building up. And I know, know there's, um, you know, there's kind of like a special, uh, feeling when you can say I ran a half marathon or I ran a marathon, but five mm-hmm. um, k's and ten k's. I tell you, I was in the best shape of my life when I was racing those those uh, distances. Mm. Um, so yeah, you know, people people think oh it's only it's only three miles. Mm-hmm. There's no only about it. Those three <laughs> those three miles can hurt. <laughs> oh my gosh! I mean, yeah. You know, I, sometimes I'll finish a hard 5k and think, man, I would rather run a half marathon or a marathon than wow. put my body through that torture again. Yeah. If you really, really try hard. So, um, so I, I tell beginners a lot of times, like once they get comfortable with a 5k distance, instead of immediately jumping up to the next one, let's see how fast we can get in the 5k. If that's mm. their goal, you know, mm-hmm. if, they're, mm-hmm. if they're now, of course, a lot, most people's goals are, okay, well, let's do the 10k. Let's do the half. So as we move up to the half marathon, um, you know, as you would imagine, your mileage is going to be moving up. Um, as a rookie running uh, 10Ks and, and half marathons, you're probably going to be tackling 20 to 35 miles per week in the training program. Mm-hmm. So making sure that you can at least complete 20 miles a week and maybe, you know, six to eight mile long run mm-hmm. um, before jumping into the program. Mm-hmm. And then uh, marathoning, same thing, you know, just bump it up again. You just bump up the mileage. And marathon training can can vary greatly in overall mileage. So um, hopefully by the time you step up to a marathon, you kind of have an idea of what, what your body can handle. Yeah, yeah. Um, I find that for most people, around 40 miles a week in marathon training tends to be pretty good for the average person. Mm-hmm. But that can go up 10 and maybe go back down a little bit. Um and I'm talking about like peak mileage. I was just about to say, yeah, the yeah. yeah, the really high mileage weeks. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So um, again, so you want to make sure that before you start marathon training, you're already comfortable getting in 30 mm-hmm. plus miles a week. Mm-hmm. So when you start to bump up, it's not a huge shock to your system. Right, right. Listening to you talk about, um, well, maybe you want to work on getting faster at the 5K and 10K. I have to say that now that my marathon for this year is in my rear view mirror my coach yeah. is like sarah i think you honed a lot of speed i think yep. let's let's train you for a fast 5k 10k and i'm just like oh well yep. maybe i'll give it some consideration <laughs> and and i'll tell you and i i had a great coach um mentor me for a long time roy benson mm. he's uh in atlanta he's a nike coach and um coaches a variety of things and um he said that one of the best ways to get faster at the marathon is to really spend some time focusing on your 10k speed. Oh, interesting. So before you hit hit marathon training, focus really well on doing a fast 10k and then that speed doesn't go away. Mm. You know, then you start building your endurance back up and you can maybe pump out even a faster marathon. Right. Right. Yes. Oh my goodness. Now I'm like looking out the window, like really mulling it all over. 
Um, All right. And then, um, so what about other physical considerations like nagging injuries? You know, what about, Mm. you know, I I, got to say, I I really sometimes feel that people um, push aside their nagging injuries because, you know, maybe their friends are all signing up for a race or they've had it on their bucket list for a while or it just sounds like, gosh, so much fun, you know. Um, So, I mean, what's your advice? Well, I think anytime you have any kind of a nagging ache or pain or injury, um, your body's trying to tell you something. If you don't listen to it, it's going to eventually force you to address it by, you know, turning into a bigger pain or an actual injury that debilitates you. So I think I always tell people any kind of aches or pains you have, whether they, uh, you know, no matter what it is, they're messages and you have Mm. to listen to those messages. Mm. Now, most of the time, you know, I always tell my runners, tell me if anything's hurting and sometimes I'll be like, oh, my back hurt today. But then the next day they're fine again. Okay. Right, right, right. And that's, and that's fine. And that happens. And running, you know, is painful in a lot of ways. (laughs) So, you know, it's, you have to make sure that you can kind of, um, uh, uh, distinguish, the difference between the typical running pain and the kind of pain that kind of goes over that line and could potentially turn into some kind of an injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and the best way I, you know, that I think the best way to, to determine that is if it's, if it's nagging, like we started out with saying, if it continues to be there time and time again, or gets worse as you're running, mm-hmm. then it's something that you have to take care of. Cause if you don't, it will only get worse, especially when you start jumping into a new training cycle. Um, So pre-training, you know, before, we're talking about, you know, what to do beforehand, that's the perfect time to address, um, you know, your shin splits or your Mm -hmm. IT band or whatever you have going on that's your weak spot um, and find the cause. Mm -hmm. A lot of people just start to kind of treat it and that's okay. And that does, you know, you got, that's got to be a part of the protocol, but let's look, try to find the cause too, whether it's a little gait anomaly you have going on, or mm-hmm. it's the shoes you're wearing or the surface you're running on, or, you know, a weak quad or hamstring mm-hmm. that needs to be strengthened. Really investigate during that time before you dive into your week, weeks of uh, focus training and, and get rid of it, you know? Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, in particular, I mean, from kind of almost a, um, purely practical sense you don't want to plunk down the you know 120 dollars or 100 bucks or whatever for a marathon or even you know 30 for a 5k and then get sidelined a few weeks into your training and then it's like oh yeah they don't issue refunds yeah i mean yes i mean there's a whole lot a whole host of reasons that people uh would benefit from i mean you know and even like when they say well like you said with friends like if all your friends are doing it so then you jump in so okay great so you can train with them for three weeks and then all of a sudden you get really badly injured and now you can't run with them at all for the rest of the year you know so yeah there's there's lots of sacrifices that end up being forced upon you if you don't Mm -hmm. take a little proactive initiative and take care of it yourself right 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 yeah oh all right i know that was a downer wasn't it (laughs) yeah i know but it it all just made such perfect sense and i just feel that's like the type of thing that people almost need to replay because it can be so tantalizing to just be like okay sure yes i want to fly to florida and do the you know princess half marathon with you and it's like whoa put the brakes on a little bit let's let's think about this is that you know your plantar fasciitis just isn't going to magically go away friends and running friends need to remember that about their their running friends if they ask them to do a race and they know their you know friend is injured not to yeah. entice them into doing something that maybe that would you know not be a good thing because right. um, you know lots of runners are like come on you can do it let's all go down we make yeah. it a fun thing and those are great weekends and lots of fun to be together but sometimes it's better to maybe just stay on the sidelines and cheer for your right. for your running friends than uh than actually be out there 
Right. There's a platitude in there somewhere like friends don't let friends run on injuries or something. <laughs> there's a, there's a public service announcement for runners in there somewhere. Yeah, running friends don't let running friends run injured. <laughs> right. There you go. Running, run, 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 run. <laughs> um, all right. So coach, as a mother runner who likes her treats and sweets, that's me. Um, this next question is something I think about a lot. How crucial is it to be close to an ideal racing weight before you start training, especially if you're gunning to make a goal time? Yeah. Well, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist, as my <laughs> old professor used to say, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that, you know, the less you weigh, mm-hmm. the faster you're going to go. But of course, right. that's up to a certain point. Um, you know, you look at the elite distance runners and they're like little waifs of people. Oh, like, yeah. you just like blow at them and they'll fall over, you know. <laughs> right. And we're talking like 90 pounds for the women, oh, know. And, you know, under 120 for the men. But of course, they're short in stature and you yes. know, they're, they're small anyway. But um, but yeah, obviously, you know, for average runners, we can't shoot for something crazy ridiculous like that. Um, but the less weight that you carry, mm-hmm. um, you should run faster as a result. I think somewhere in some study, and I'm probably going to get this wrong, but it's something like um, if you lose five pounds, and of course, there's some specifics around it, but you'll increase your time by like 5% in like the two mile run or something like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, um, reference that study, which I am not remembering the actual specifics. (laughs) I referenced that in my essay entails from another mother runner. And, um, so yeah. And I mean, then, and then when you amplify that over a longer race, it's the time really starts to add up. I mean, if it's okay, let's say it's two seconds per mile. Well, you know, absolutely. That's a long haul. That's a lot. Yeah. 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 So, so, you know, but, but we have to remember it's only true up to a certain point. And, you know, if you lose too much weight, then you start going into your muscle Mm -hmm. and losing too much muscle, then you start to sacrifice your strength and it kind of ends up backfiring. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. And, you know, and genes play a big role in how much weight you can gain and lose. Um, and, and you're talking G E N E S, not J E A N S. Correct. Correct. You can blame your parents if you, you know, struggling. Um, but yeah, you know, that, that I was reading, where did I read it? I had it out here somewhere. Um, oh, no, I'm not gonna be able to find it, but yeah, when, you know, it, that's like a 65% of your ability to gain and lose weight is, is hereditary. Wow. Um, but then after that, you do have your training and your nutritional and trying to make that optimal, optimal so that your body finds its comfortable racing level and weight. And what that weight is, is just going to depend on your individual specifics of what you've got going on. But there is the key, you know, is, is making sure that you have the nutrition before you start your big training. I think having the nutrition lined up, Mm -hmm. um, is better than waiting until you start training. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you start training, you're already adjusting and making new challenges for your body. Um, and then if all of a sudden you throw on top a huge new shift in nutrition, sure, <clears throat> that's going to be a lot. Um, now, obviously during the training cycle, you're going to be making some nutritional changes here and there. You're going to be experimenting with foods, mm-hmm. you know, before and after you, and that's fine. But if all of a sudden you're going to go from being, you know, a regular eater to cutting out dairy or yeah. going paleo or something like that. Yeah. Doing that as you're starting your training program is probably not the best idea. Yeah. Um, so, so, so beforehand, those weeks before you're getting ready to, if you're starting to think, ah, you know, maybe I could lose a few pounds and get run a faster 5k, that would be the time to start changing the diet. You might not see a whole lot in the way of weight loss yet until mm-hmm. the running gets added in. Um, and also, you know, speaking of weight loss, don't, I don't like using the scale as my guide, of how I am with my 
with my body and where I'm at. You know, I don't always say racing weight, but mm-hmm. kind of like using percent of body fat more. Oh, uh-huh. And, um, so like elites have like 12% body fat or something like the women. Right. Um, and, and that's obviously not probably going to happen for, for us. <laughs> I don't um, know about you, but, uh... <laughs> I mean, I got probably 12% body fat in my big toe, you know? So, um, yeah, so that's obviously not a reasonable goal, but there are chart, you can just, you can easily Google, you know, body fat percentages. Um, but usually somewhere in the twenties is, is ideal for most people from teens up until like forties, fifties, but it does change depending. Um, but I like using that instead because you need some muscle obviously sure. to yeah. run and the fat is really what's going to slow you down. Mm-hmm. So getting on a scale all the time, you're not really getting a true picture of what your body composition is. Oh yeah. That's a good way of looking at yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So now how about the mental side? Let's um, give some advice for folks on how they can get their minds in the right place to ramp up their training. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, um, I was talking to someone yesterday and they were like, maybe they're trying to get over a disappointing race result or a rough training cycle last time. Mm-hmm. And then also let's talk about how to get on board mentally to go back to structured or dictated workouts after kind of like maybe being loosey goosey about your workouts for a while. Right. So and I, Yeah. And I think having both of those periods is important. You know, anytime you have a structured training program, I think you need some loosey goosey a little bit <laughs> uh-huh. afterwards, you know, just to kind of give everything a break and not feel so, um, you know, uh, uh, let, that the training plan's dictating everything you're doing in your life. Yeah. So having having a little bit of time to kind of chill out, relax, and usually how I can tell someone's ready to kind of say, okay, I'm ready to jump back into a structured training plan, is when they have that little bit of fire starts to come back. Mm-hmm. There's that, and I don't know how to explain it, and uh-huh. I. I you know, I feel it in me. You probably have it too. Like where all of a sudden you start thinking, yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't mind trying to, where you're just ready. You're ready yeah. to kind of step up again and take it on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like after a race is a good time, obviously to start to kind of take a break. All elite runners do it. We all have a structured time during we, like I'm elite. Um, runners. <laughs> You're running Rewind. around a fairground. Don't kid yourself, Christine. <laughs> we elite runners. We take time off. No. So, um, yes, but all runners should should try to find some time to, to have two to four weeks off. I usually do it around, like, the holidays just because that's a convenient time to do it. But, um yeah, just where you have some downtime and kind of let stoke that fire again, get interested again in the running. Um, and then most people I find don't have too much of an issue transitioning back into the structure mm. if they wait for that fire to return yeah. because then they're ready. They're like, okay, give it to me. Give it to me. Yeah. What am I doing today? What am I doing tomorrow? Yeah. Um, I think if you're struggling to commit to it, it might not be the right time for you to dive into a structured plan again. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's kind and of there's like nothing wrong with that. Right. There's right. Absolutely yeah. nothing wrong with that. I have spent an entire year mm. being loosey goosey <laughs> <laughs> and there's that, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. And that's actually a great time to build a awesome base of, of, you know, long, slow distance. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, so, so don't feel pressured. It's not, you don't always have to be racing, I guess is my point. Um, it's okay to just be loosey goosey for a while. If your life is at a, place where you you know that just makes sense then nothing wrong with it right right I think that also can sometimes go back to having uh runners as friends too though Mm -hmm. that that I know for a couple years here in Portland I felt like everybody was always like well what's your next race what's your next race and I just wanted to be like 
I don't know. Just back <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And I think that uh, runners get caught up in that, you know, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I used to be like that, too. I would, you know, people would say, like, how can you run so far and, or run so much? And I'd say, well, I'm not running. I'm, I'm always in training. Mm-hmm. And, and I like that. And I used that for a long time. But now I now I feel less that way as I'm getting older. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, suddenly I yes. sort of had forgotten that I felt that way. I mean, for a couple of years, it was really kind of oppressive. That, yes. um, you know, and that, that I, so I always felt like I had to come up with some sort of answer and I don't race a lot. So, yeah. you know, and then to talk, you know, if it's May and you're talking about some race, it's like in December, people look at you like, uh, yeah, I'm not shopping for, you know, my holiday gifts yet. What are you talking about that race for? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, and there is in, uh, uh, is it the lore of running or is it, I'll have to look it up and bring it up next time I'm on a podcast, but uh-huh. there's the whole evolution of a runner. Oh, uh-huh. and, um, and it's, and it's interesting. And that would, that would probably be a fun podcast too sometime, but it talks about how you go through the different phases and in the racing phase and wanting to see how fast and how many races you can do is part of it. And oh. I think that that's a natural progression of the runner. But then as we get older and we've been running for decades, you kind of get to a place where you're like, you know what? you, you kind of get back to saying, I just enjoy going out there and running. It doesn't always have to be, um, about proving yourself on any kind of race, race situation. Um, and it's more, I guess a more relaxed attitude about it. So, right. right. But what I'm saying overall, it's okay. Wherever you're at is where you're at. So it's all of it is good. It's all good. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, and sort of along those lines, I think, and you hinted to it in that answer is that sometimes people look ahead on the training plan because they're like okay on monday i'm gonna start and then they look ahead to a month or six weeks in and they're like yeah you want me to do what (laughs) yes i can't tell you how many people do that and that's one of uh when uh, for my individual clients i don't give them more than you know three or four weeks at a time Mm -hmm. um for that very reason because they'll look ahead at you know they'll be at week zero of 20 weeks they'll look at week 18 or 15 and be like oh my gosh there's a 20 mile around here (laughs) how am I ever gonna do that and well I'm not asking you to do it today right right (laughs) (laughs) you know there's gonna be a progression by the time you get there you'll be ready um but people do get panicky when they look at what what is going to yeah and I Mm -hmm. do too you know Mm -hmm. so my advice is to try really hard not to look too far ahead right um you know kind of avoid looking looking further, further down. But if you do just kind of remind yourself that, you know, you're training to get to that point. And while, you know, a seven mile long run might not be possible today at the onset of your 10 K training, it obviously will be later as you work towards it. Um, and I, I I always use house analogies. So, Uh you know, it would be impossible to install windows in a house that don't, doesn't have walls yet. You know, that's good, (laughs) Christine. Yeah. So it's kind of the same thing with running, you know, one step at a time. You got to put the walls up first, then you put the windows in. So right, right. Um, you got to run that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also sort of like kids like I. Um, so Molly's kids are daughters are older than my kids are. And when she would be like, oh, yeah, you know, and Lucy and Ellie rode the bus down to Hawthorne to go shopping. And, I, and you know, my kids, I don't know, were, I don't know, eight and five. And I was like, oh, they rode a city bus. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's like, yeah. Sarah, no one's asking you to put your infant alone on a, <laughs> on a bus. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's true. Very true. That's a, yeah, that's another great example. So you have to remember that you're training where you are yeah. and the, in the future you're going to be there. It's, you know, mm-hmm. just try not to let your brain get ahead 
get ahead of your body, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk brass tacks. Integrating a training plan into real life. A mm. life that might include workouts at the home, kids, a social life, cooking meals, a bathroom remodel, family vacation, which is particularly pertinent if you're listening to this, you know, in May, um, and you name it. So Coach Christine, what advice do you have for overlaying a training plan onto a jam-packed family life? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Magic. Be, flex- be flexible. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's probably, yeah, my biggest suggestion is you gotta, you got, you have to be a little bit go with the flow, a little bit flexible. Um, if you know ahead of time that something's coming up, obviously it's a lot easier to work around. Like you were saying vacations. If you know there's a big vacation coming up and where you're going, you can, um, you know, look at where you're going to be at in the plan and maybe kind of figure out, rework the runs and make sure you get the important runs in. Um, but you know, and, and those tend to be the times if if you're going on a vacation and you're going somewhere really fun and you're going to be really active and you're not gonna be able to fit the runs in, it's not the end of the world. If you don't run for five days, I mean, (laughs) it's going to be okay. And I think that's the biggest point I would want to get across with vacations. Don't stress about it. Um, you're not going to lose a ton of fitness. You'll be okay. And in fact, a lot of runners come back feeling refreshed Mm -hmm. and, you know, are able to put in some solid training after that. Um, I think the biggest obstacle, like you were saying, is just life. Yeah. Yeah. Life's happening. Kids Mm -hmm. getting sick, you know, uh, uh, work, yeah. have to stay late, things like that. Um, and those are the times where you need to, most training plans will have two to three quality runs per week. Mm-hmm. And then they usually get cushioned by either cross training or off or easy days. Um, so if you have a bad day where you know, you know, little Johnny was up all night puking and you're not going to be <laughs> running the next morning um, and it was one of your important runs, then maybe shift it to another day. If yeah. it was an easy run or a cross training or an off day, then just let it go. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it, it takes a little bit of thought, but um, but I think all in all, unless it's like a huge catastrophe where, you know, God forbid something happens that takes you out for several weeks, then then you just need to rethink your goals. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. you, you saying that reminds me, and speaking of little Johnny, um, so <laughs> that being my son's nickname. Um, so that when he was, I guess I want to say three, maybe, maybe four, um, that, um, let me think about this. No, it must've been four. Cause I think it was 2009. Cause I was, um, that was my big racing year and mm. we were at a playground and he ran full bore at a chain uh, like a chain that was blocking it so people couldn't pull into a driveway oh, no. and he oh. specifically didn't jump over it like it was it was perverse and he like just on ran- purpose yeah i swear <laughs> i swear because that boy could jump over anything and so that he just fate literally face planted onto the pavement oh, there was just wow. blood everywhere and, and, you know, when, when I took him to the emergency room and he ended up being fine, he didn't even like, didn't do anything to his nose. There was just a lot of blood, no, nothing mm. messed up with his teeth, nothing. Mm. So, but as I'm sitting there, I think, but I got to run 17 miles yes. tomorrow morning. <laughs> like, yep. how long is this going to take? And, yep. you know, it's so, so felt terrible at the time being kind of selfish mommy to think like that. But no, uh, no, I, 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 yes, I have been there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then, I, yeah. And then when I was, um, guess whenever it was I guess gosh now it was two years ago that my uh, same one John put his um, elbow through a an interior glass window 
And um, we found, Jack and I, I've told this story before, but we were at a holiday party. And so we knew that he would have to go to the hospital. And I knew I had a big run the next day. And also, I'm just not good with blood and like seeing like shots and things like that. I'm just not good with it. So Jack and I, as we're hustling home, I turned to him and just as casual as I can say, oh, yeah. And you're the one who's going to take him to the emergency room. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. I totally get that. And I bet a lot of the listeners do, too, because we do get a little uh, protective. Yes, that's a good word. Over some of the runs that we have. I don't know if I ever talked about. Did I ever talk about the naked man? On I think. Did I ever mention that? I can't remember. So my friend and I, we were were down in Charlotte, North Carolina. And we, she wasn't training for anything, so she was just along. And it was like going to be like a twenty mile run. And apparently, on this trail, there was this guy who was exposing himself to people. And um, she had seen him a couple of times, so we're and so she was like determined that if we ever saw him, she was going to like hunt him down. So we're at like mile twelve or thirteen, and we see the guy. So she now is obsessed about chasing him. Oh my goodness! So. (laughs) Oh my god. So we're running after this guy, but in my head, I'm thinking, I need to get my 18 miles in. (laughs) This is really going to mess up my run today. I wasn't supposed to do speed work right now. Like, I don't want to chase after this guy. I just want to do my run, you know? So So, come on, on, what was the end? Did you catch him? So you know what? He ran into the woods Mm -hmm. and um, we flagged down a police officer. They eventually did catch him. Not that day, though. Uh Uh-huh. But yeah, they did eventually catch him. Wow. Wow. Because, you know, because Molly and I saw the pantsless dude, as as we refer to him, uh, a number of years, oh gosh, maybe three years ago. And um, he was never caught. And he um, just, uh, I don't know, once the neighbors got up in arms, um, which there's some pun in there, I'm sure, but... um, Uh, the uh, legs. Yeah, yeah right he uh, he just um stopped so um yeah. god that you know that's really a shame that the both of us have had experiences with that yeah you yeah. know that's just yeah. that's just wrong on many yeah. levels and it's never a woman can i just say that right right <laughs> there's oh no my. naked woman walking down the trail yeah, no no <laughs> oh god that's it's sad um it yeah sad. Um, anyway, yeah, so, so I was selfishly, instead of protecting my neighborhood, I was like, I want to go to my run. So. <laughs> right. Um, so, um, so then how much schedule shifting is too much, though? You said, you know, that, okay, so little Johnny gets a, you know, face plants on the pavement and, and, you know, maybe have to move the run. But like, so when I was training for um, the marathon that ended up being my personal best, I insisted on continuing to row two days a week. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes wonder if I could have run even faster if I'd nixed rowing in favor of say like strength training or yoga or another day of mm-hmm. running or, or rest, let's say, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, h- how, how much, if you're particularly, if you're focused on a, on a set goal, you know, mm-hmm. that maybe involves um, really pushing, 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 how much, how important is it to, you know, um, try to stick to the plan and to maybe cut out some things, you know, you know, not right. Well, like I mentioned before, most plans have those two to three quality days per week. Mm -hmm. You know, usually the long run, if there's any kind of tempo or fart lake or speed or hill work, Uh those are typically the runs that, um, that are the quality ones that you really should make sure to get in. Mm -hmm. I think how you fill this, the space around those runs, um, is kind of a, is, is a personal recipe and oh, we uh-huh. all, we all kind of can come up with what works best for us. For some people that might be running 
on the days in between. Mm -hmm. For some people, it might, you know, definitely want at least one day off. Some people like two or three. Um, I think that would be probably the max, two or three days off. Then you fill it with other stuff. I think the rowing is a great option. Um, cycling, you know, any, any kind of cross training activity that you feel is going to help you. Um, now there are definitely some that help runners more than other things like the strength training is great because running neglects your core and upper body. So, um, that's why the rowing is, was probably helpful to you because you, Mm, you know, you're doing a lot of upper body and core strength with that. I love a rowing machine. Uh Um, but I think experimenting a little bit and trying different things and writing it down and, um, and keeping track of what you're doing and seeing how you perform and how your runs go and how your strength is, is coming along is important. And anytime you, um, I think for us, since since running is kind of the consistent thing week to week, switching up what you do in on the days that you're not running uh, about every six to eight weeks is important because hmm. you want to keep the body kind of guessing because your body gets used to it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. rowing, if you're rowing for a couple of months consistently, you have to change something about it, either mm-hmm. change how you're doing the rowing at an intervals, make it you know harder mm-hmm. in some way. Or you simply just switch to a different type of uh, activity for a few weeks. So making sure you kind of keep the body guessing, keep the body adapting, and that keeps the body getting stronger. Right. But yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, the more you run, the better runner you're going to be. But there is a limit usually mm-hmm. to how many miles people can handle. Right. And that's where the where the personal kind of recipe comes in is figuring out how many miles can you handle um, without neglecting the other things. You know, you, it's, it's better to skip a run and focus on some other areas of your body, um, then, uh, to be strictly, I think strictly running. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I've definitely found that to be the case. Yeah. So, so I love this consideration put forth by Melissa, the AMR role mother who is following our heart rate training plan for a fall half marathon. She asks, should you, or should you not tell everyone? And she means on social media that you're starting to train for a specific race. And, you know, like she's thinking, yes, that then, you know, your friends are going to understand why, you you know, you're falling asleep into your Sauvignon Blanc out at happy hour because they know (laughs) you got up so early to run 10 miles before work. Or, you know, they're going to keep you accountable on your training. But maybe no, because that accountability can be such a double-edged sword, like increased stress, you know. So how to go, how to go. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know, you know, it... I think, um, I mean, I personally have done both, mm. you know, where I've told the world <laughs> that I'm, that I'm going to do it and, uh, what I'm doing and, and that does, it does totally holds, helps, holds you accountable, mm-hmm. um, helps kind of keep you more focused, gives you a little friendly pressure to perform sure. type of thing. Yeah. Um, and you know, and it, and lots of people like having that feeling of kind of uh, other people are involved in your effort. Yeah. Um, you know, having supporters along along the way kind of for the rides, so to speak, and to celebrate with afterwards. So there's lots of advantages to letting people know. Um, uh, but, um, Heidi, you know, Heidi, yeah, um, sure. she, she recently, she ran a marathon in Texas a few months back and she had told everybody about it mm-hmm. and, uh-huh. um, ended up getting the flu the night before oh. and ran as a result had to, had to, um, uh, DNF oh, finish. Yeah. So she had to, well, she was like, I mean, she, she thought it was nerves. We were talking that morning. She's like, I think I'm just really nervous. I'm like, you sounded pretty sick. <laughs> oh, so shoot. yeah. So yeah. So she, she, and for her, she felt like she had now let down everybody. She, oh yeah. Because so she true. had, been, yeah, because she had, and now in her brain, she knew that that wasn't a logical 
right. you know, thing to think. But she felt so uh, upset, not just with her not her inability to finish the race, but now all these people that were watching and that were following her on Athlete Tracker that were, you know, rooting for her. Right. She had to go back and say, ah, you know, I didn't finish. Right. So, um, like you said, it, it can be a double-edged sword, too, um, with that. So I don't know what the answer is. I mean, what do you think? What have you done in the past that's worked or... Yeah, you know, um, it's funny because then also if you keep it under the radar, then if it goes well, you want to kind of, you know, brag about it afterwards. And then you have to be like, hey, you know, I didn't tell you that I was training for this huge race, but I did it and I did really well. And then it... <laughs> so, That's right. I know. I know. I don't know what the um, answer is. Yeah. So but then I know that... Um, I did start, I think that added a little bit to my Boston panic that, that, you know, I thought like, oh, of course, like, you know, Jack and my friend Joanne and Molly, they'll be following me on, you know, because with that, you know, you can get like text updates or whatever. But then right. when I started meeting all these people and they were, they were saying on social media, they're like, oh, I'm t- totally following you, totally. F-. And I'm like, whoa, yeah. whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And th- but I mean, then in the moment, I didn't think like do really well because you know at you know hot mama runner is you know really wants you to do well but but then I do have to say that I think back to my 2009 uh, marathon PR and so that was kind of new days of um, that, I mean that was before AMR truly launched but we we were on social media and we had a blog and I just remembered the women who did follow us and I had asked them for a lot of advice and just thinking about their support made such a difference I mean almost as palpable as someone you know getting behind me on a hill and giving me a push up it yep absolutely yep so you you definitely do feel that that level of support. And then, and then it is kind of fun because then I come back, you know, and, and my neighbor across the street is asking me how I did and I hadn't really yeah. told them about, it, but you know, they'd seen like Jack's post about it on Facebook or something. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I guess sort of it, it, I think it's worth considering before you just put it all out there. Right. Because... Yeah. That's a good answer. Yeah. yeah. How about that? How about yes. that? <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Think about it before you do it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Because uh, once you say it, it's hard to take back. Right. You know? Yes, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked a lot about training, but then how about any advice on picking the right race? Let's say, you know, you know, you want to do a, a half marathon, you know, in the fall or something. Um, is, you know, are there certain features that make for a good race, say for a first timer, you know, like terrain, number of race participants, whether there's a whole lot of spectators, you know, what are some things that you can help really choose the right race? Um, well, again, <laughs> it kind of depends. It depends on, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not good. No, I'm not it, good it is true. It is true. Answer. Yeah. 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 I mean, it depends on what your goals are. Um, you know, what race you choose will be based on what you hope to accomplish. If you're looking for a PR, then, uh, you know, you might want to find something that's flat, maybe low key. So there's not a whole lot of, um, people to weave in and out yeah. of, uh, yeah. something that's, in a cooler time of year, mm-hmm. cooler months of the year. Um, and if you're looking, you know, then there, I have runners that want to really challenge themselves in some kind of a, a, a freakish way, like running, you know, 2448 or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> or Pike's so, Peak Ascent that Timothy did. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Uh-huh. That's a yeah. perfect example. So you then might want to look for the really hilly technical trail races or, yeah, or yeah. something like that. Um, some people like the party atmosphere mm-hmm. for their first marathons or half marathons, which which we certainly have a plethora of yeah. uh, big, fun, you know, music-inspired uh, Tinkerbell-type yeah. things that um, that will definitely feed into that. And I think those are actually 
a lot of fun to do for first timers because it kind of takes the pressure of uh, actually running and racing and getting through that distance um, kind of, you know, overshadows it a little bit with all the fun stuff going on. You have stuff to look at. Um, But, you know, then when you get to the place where you want to say, hey, I want to qualify for Boston, you're not going to pick the race that's got 40,000 people in it and, you know, over hilly terrain. You're going to pick a smaller venue with um, elevation loss or, you know, flat that's going to give you a better chance of hitting a, a Boston qualifying or PR type of time. So, you know, a lot of it just depends on, on where you're at and, um, and what, what your goals are and what you want to accomplish. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, so again, I don't have a definite kind of, this is perfect for everybody. Uh, a lot depends on, on what you want to accomplish. Right. Right. There's, there's a Russian um, proverb that translates to when it comes to taste and colors, there are no comrades. So, um, it, I think it's the same sort of thing. Like my idea of a perfect race might be, you know, you know, sound hellacious for you. So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And so, and you know, and the thing is, I think uh, is experiment, play around, have fun with it. I Mm -hmm. think, you know, and, and see where you feel most comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do think that that's one of the cool things about our sport is that we get to travel to different places, um, see different sites, different cities, different, uh, cultures. I mean, it's so much fun to go to a new city and be able to explore 13 miles of it or 26 miles of it on foot. Right. Um, and, uh, kind of get immersed in the culture and everything. So, uh, experiment and have fun with it. And then when you find the races that suit you best for those times when you want to try to shoot for a PR, um, then, you know, and a lot of times too, a good point that I also like to make is, um, when you're trying for PR is to stay closer to home. I was just about to say also for me, it makes such a big difference to be in my same time zone. Yeah. Yep. Just, yep. Maybe it's because I live on the West Coast and it just kicks my butt to have to go, yep. you know, to and, and talking about Disney races. Oh, my gosh. Getting up for Princess, you know, <laughs> yeah. it starts, I think, at 5.30 a.m. East Coast time. I'm like, wait a minute. I wouldn't have even gone to bed yet back home, you know, when you have yes. to get up for it. That's, so That's a great consideration. Yeah. yeah. Think of the time zone. Yeah. Or and- like when the race starts. You know, I've mm-hmm. talked about it before that um, I, I I do love the two Canadian marathons I've done, Vancouver and Victoria. But what's up with them starting it off at 9 a.m.? You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know, and that's true. Those are all the little the little details that are going to matter. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I definitely think if you're looking to run a hard, solid effort, keeping it closer to home or in your time zone, yeah, um, is is going to make a big difference. Right. And you know, like I, you know, I've had clients that go off to China or you know run the Great Wall or whatever. Yeah. And I think that's that's awesome. And I think marathoning is such a wonderful way to see different countries. But those are probably not the ones where you're going to try to PR. Yeah, no, no. I'd no. say the Great Wall of China, not <laughs> not high on the uh, PR list. Because <laughs> you want to enjoy, but you want to enjoy the foods and you know, and walking around. So there, you're just you're not in a situation that you're going to be, um, you know, running your best ever. Right. But that's okay. Again, that's all okay. It's it's a wonderful experience, and you get to see the town in a way that no one else does. So exactly, and remind, yeah, yeah and then re- that's a nice way to wrap up. You know, remind yourself of the excitement that awaits you at the end of the training cycle that you're entering into. So, yes. And, yeah. and, and what, it, what's the quote with the journey, the, the, what is it? Oh, uh, a journey of a thousand miles starts with one step. Yes. That's is right. That, that and, and just that the, that the joy is in the journey, you know, oh, the, yeah. the journey is the fun part. Right. Right. It's too bad. Journey's not spelled slightly different. So it would have joy in it. 
Um, <laughs> J-O-Y-U-R-N-E-Y. Maybe Joiny. Joiny. We'll make a new word. Joiny. All right. I like that. I see that on a shirt soon. How about that? Enjoy the joiny. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness I, I can't yeah. stop laughing to write it down <laughs> Seri- I'm being serious make that I want I, won't. I know I know I know oh my goodness well as predicted Christine we had a lot of laughs in this podcast and and I'm so pleased we covered a lot of ground so um thank you for all your great insight and advice I just always walk away from these podcasts thinking, man, Christine knows her stuff. <laughs> and I love how you look at, at um, situations from different angles and different directions. And so um, it really brings a lot of clarity. And to round out this conversation about training, let's hear from Dimity in the Train Like a Mother Club. Hey, this is Dimity in Denver with your Train Like a Mother Club corner, throwing this, squeezing this little corner into the corner um, before I head out and lead a the field day kickball station at my kids' school. Because n- nothing feels better than whopping a big red ball with your injured foot, right? <laughs> or something like that. Anyway, the Train Like a Mother Club corner today comes from Amanda, who's in the 10K it's a little bit of a um, intense one, or I guess a thoughtful one. Intense is probably too the wrong word. Anyway, here we go. Amanda says, hey, Bammer friends, venting session to follow, so watch out. This afternoon, I had the pleasure of leading my six-year-old daughter's running club. I was filling in for the main teacher who was sick, and I was psyched to do it. It's a low-key, age-appropriate thing. We had fun, talked about safety and street signs, and we ran and walked some little intervals. What's not to love? I was so disappointed, though, because on the drive home, my daughter quietly told me that one of her friends said her belly is fat, referring to me. And my daughter told her, ah, well, she's had three babies. True statement, that. But people, do you feel my outrage? What is up with all this fat phobia? And who is schooling these children in their manners? Yes, folks, I have a belly that can magically look like I'm 20 weeks pregnant at the drop of a hat. I get asked if I'm pregnant on a fairly regular basis. Ugh. I immediately felt that urge to suck it in and start planking. But I reminded myself that my BRF and I ran an hour of intervals at an awesome pace today in the rain at 5.30 a.m. And I am who I am. I have the core I was dealt to some extent. My daughter, who is at the 85th percentile in her own growing body, does not need me to start hating my own belly, the belly that once cradled her and her siblings because a little kid chose to say unkind words. But I bet I've got some bammers who feel me. And um, I think that's your perspective, Amanda, is exactly right. The comments below um, absolutely echo what they what um, they said. And... Um, Coach MK had a funny one. She said, she said, um, I do feel you. It is hard. I'm on my runners all the time about how they talk about their own bodies and your kids pick up on that. How you handle these moments depends on how classy you are. I am not a classy human. My response would be in the vein of damn right it is. I store all my extra badass in here. Let me know if you need some later. All right. That's it for today, ladies. We'll see you next week. Have a great week and hope all your miles are good ones. But wait, there's more talk of fall races and events. Because we open registration for our AMR retreat, Run Plus Refresh. 
It's going to be in lovely Spokane, Washington, September 22 to 25. The focus of the retreat, in addition to fun and making amazing friends, is the Happy Girls Spokane race on the Saturday of the retreat. Attendees get to choose to run the 5K, 10K, or half marathon, or to be a cheering spectator. We'll have numerous experts on hand to give you training and racing advice, including Coach Christine. (laughs) (laughs) There will be yoga sessions, foam rolling clinics, talks by a sports dietitian, and plenty of time to chillax, including exploring Spokane's charming downtown or lounging by the host hotel's lovely pool. Mm. Um, And, you know, yes, there will probably be a trip to see the the infamous slide where my ankle fracture occurred. Um, (laughs) But there's a but there is a slide at the pool at the hotel. It's a really big pool, and I'm already I'm like, yep, nope, not going down that one either. Mm-mm, we're keeping you away from that. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so for all the details and to register, go to anothermotherrunner.com/retreat. Again, that's anothermotherrunner.com/retreat, and we really hope you'll join us. Right? I cannot wait. Excellent, excellent. It is going to be a ton of fun. Alrighty. Whatever race you might soon be training for, many happy miles. Mm